Yeah, the man's got so many sponsors we have to do, too, for him here on Sports Talk just to pay the phone bill. Mike Morgan, Morgan on the move with us now here on Sports Talk. Welcome in. It's great to have you with us. And first of all, fill us in on your uh, your travels. Where have you been and where are you going? Well, I, I just got back from LSU. Had uh, LSU Ole Miss uh, last night. It was a pretty thrilling game. LSU was was just better. Bat McMahon is going to build something special in Baton Rouge. It's just going to take time. Mm-hmm. Um but but I promise you, he he is a good coach, and um, and they're going to be a, a problem for some folks this year. And then uh, I go to Kentucky Saturday, Rupp Arena. It'll be the Kentucky Wildcats against the Georgia Bulldogs, who of course uh, just snuck out of Columbia with a, a win. Mike White's done a, a really good job, and it's a it's one of the better stories because I can tell you in my travels to Gainesville for games over the years. Mike White took a lot of heat from people, and there's a lot of people that wanted him fired. And he saw that and said, you know what? The hell with you. I'll, you don't have to fire me. I'm going to quit and take the Georgia job. And uh, kind of an ultimate uh, blank you moment that uh, I think a lot of people in the workforce wouldn't mind having with one of their bosses at some point or another. But, no, I mean, Georgia's really been a great story. I've said this all along, and I'll continue to say it. Uh, Georgia – Ole Miss and South Carolina are the most improved teams in this league. The, the problem for those three teams and everybody else is that the top is still the top. Like Kentucky, Tennessee, Auburn, Alabama are all really good. And I don't know if I'd want to play Arkansas right now either because eventually they're going to figure some things out and, and be better. Missouri is, is still a challenge, even though they're not as good as last year. Uh, there's just not – other than Vanderbilt, there's not a weak link right now. So it's it's a again, it's a brutal, brutal league. What has happened to Vandy? That's a good question, um, and probably a longer answer than your audience would care to hear. But I mean, basically, the the off season got got off on the wrong foot, where a bunch of their key players left, and then I haven't. That's the one team I haven't had this year, and I haven't seen who they brought in. But I don't know if there's any impact guys there. You know, it, 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 this is not so far a recruiting class or a portal class that has paid off great dividends. The record says that. So, you know, after a long year in football for Vanderbilt, uh, it might be a long one in basketball. Now, maybe Jerry turns it around. Look, he's he's had teams that have gotten off the slow starts and then really kind of figured things out late. Maybe that's this team, but I'm not sure. Uh, they uh, they just have not been able to get anything going whatsoever. Alabama, Nate Oates, he's a bit of a hothead. He doesn't mind sticking his nose right there in the fan, but dude can coach. And, I mean, he lost terrific talent off of last year's team, uh, two guys that went to the yeah. draft, you know, and – but he's replenished his roster, and they're right back there once again among the best. They're four and zero in the league. Auburn's four. How about the state of Alabama? Two teams that are four and zero. We'll get to Auburn in a second. But what about Nate Oates mm-hmm. and what he's able to do? Continue to do at Alabama. Yeah, I, I mean, look, the, I just had Auburn a week ago, and um, you know, I said this on the air. Uh, that is as good a turnaround as there's been in college basketball in the last thirty years. People have to remember how bad Auburn was, and and nobody cared about basketball there. 
We ran a stat. Their average RPI 10 years previous Pearl was like 167, 187. And in the last six, seven years under Pearl, it's 25. Uh, it, it, it's a Scott Drew-like reclamation project. Uh, Alabama, not quite as bad, but the the two hires they made with Avery Johnson and Anthony Grant, they didn't work out. And Nate Oates comes in there and turns them into a national power seemingly overnight. So the state of Alabama, uh, you know, for a time you could have said Alabama – was very similar to what South Carolina was years ago, where it didn't seem like either of the major programs was doing anything good. Uh, now Alabama has become, you've got two powerhouses there, led by Bruce Pearl and Nate Oates. So I know a lot of people don't like those two coaches, but the fan bases of those respective schools love them and realize what a good thing they have. Well, it sounds like Pearl has sort of uh, tightened the ship there at Auburn. I mean, yes, he's... He's had his his issues and he's had his penalties imposed upon him, but he's been pretty pretty much walking the straight and narrow at Auburn, as far as we know. Then again, who has to walk the straight and narrow anymore? You can everything that these coaches used to get in trouble for, uh, you can do now. Uh, until That's well, right. well, you know, here's the funny thing though, though, Mike. I mean, this Florida State situation where the NCAA comes in and levies penalties on Florida State, and I mean, really. They could do that to 75 schools across the country because they're all using NIL in recruiting, and that's what they they came down on Florida State for, by and large, for taking a guy to go visit a guy to go get his NIL deal. And don't tell me that, you know, every SEC, ACC, Big Ten, Big 12, and what's left of the Pac-12, they're not all doing the same thing now, not all, not to mention, of I'm course. sure you're, you're – your schools, the the next step down, who are, who've got some boosters uh, giving money or doing the same thing. Well, how how do you get away just hammering Florida State? And I say hammering. I mean they, you know, the penalties aren't going to destroy the program. They're going to sting a little bit. But I mean, how do you even go about singling them out over the entire field of violators? Yeah, it is unusual. I mean, we're just not used to seeing it anymore or caring about it anymore because we know, and coaches have told me point blank off the record, this is not NIL. We're buying players, quote, end quote. And that's exactly what's going on, and everybody knows it. So we can continue to play the charade, um, but it's, it's pure pay-for-play and pay-for-stay. That's that's what we created. That's the Pandora's box we opened. And unlike uh, a true professional rank where, where players are getting paid, we have no definitive contracts. Uh, we, we have nobody honoring at much of anything. I mean, it's just it's crazy. Uh, I maintain it's the biggest reason why Nick Saban left the sport at 72 as opposed to 78. Mm-hmm. Uh, coaches, coaches, even the successful coaches, think it's wrong the way we're doing this but uh that's what it is how florida state got dinged i i honestly don't know i don't understand it do you think as somebody who watches all this college football basketball baseball up close traveling the country and of course you do pro games as well but i mean the college game as far as how we're dealing with the athletes is becoming closer and closer to the pro game so do you think it will in any way negatively impact the product on the college level 
And do you think in any way it's going to negatively impact the fan interest? I mean, I would say so far, I would argue the the very small sample that we've got here in the first couple of years, it's done neither. I don't think the product has been hurt. I don't think the fan interest has been hurt. If anything, it it might be even stronger. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think the product has never been healthier. I mean, if you just go on ratings and revenues, my goodness, college football and men's basketball have never uh, been this popular. Now, that doesn't mean people hate the fact, don't hate the fact that I used to know what my roster was every year, and now I don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to th- I used to think that player really loved my university, and now it feels like he's nothing more than a hired gun, a vagabond that's in there for as long as he can make a, a buck and then leave for the, the guy that offers another buck. Uh, I think it's unmatched uh, popularity, unmatched uh, product, but also unmatched cynicism by the fan base. It's like, you know, you're in this relationship and you know it's the best thing out there, but boy, the, the flaws steep. They, they get a little bit bigger and bigger with time. Uh, it's like you, Phil. I mean, one, for crying out loud, put down the toilet seat. You know, at, at some point, Hello. that's going <laughs> that, to run a relationship into the ground. But the, here's the good news. You know, the love is so strong in the core blued household that that's not going to affect it. And, in fact, you guys have never been better. That's the best analogy I can make. Well, can you take a moment out of your time and explain what the use of the phrase put down the toilet seat uh, is referring to? I'm really lost trying to gather in what that actually, you know, is pointing towards. Oh, wait a minute. Does that have to do with with, uh, men and women, like – Yes. I see. I yes, put the toilet does. seat down all the time. I'm a, you know, as soon as. Well, there you go. Yeah. That's, but you're saying. That's the, why you've been but, married for 40 years. I got you. What do you do? Now, you're a married man of many years. I mean, what do you do? Well, I installed an electric uh, device where I just <laughs> put a button and it happens automatically. Uh, and I, oh, you and got, got, got one of those French things. You got one of those French <laughs> things? <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, the dueling bidets. Uh, just, to, just to pass the time. But no, you, I mean, you're. Your question is a great one, and it and it is. I, I think that a lot of fans that are frustrated want to say, "Oh, this is what I was afraid of. This is why I don't like pro sports. I'm I'm out. I'm protesting. I'm boycotting." But the fact of the matter is, and the people that run the sport know this, the fans of college athletics are the most passionate on the planet, and they're not going anywhere. They're just not. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the, the if you are a Gamecock or a Tiger fan, you are going to either attend, watch, or listen to every football game and probably most basketball and baseball games, and in some cases, women's basketball. That's just, that's just the way the college football fan is wired. Uh, and so I, I don't think, even with all the nonsense going on around the sport, I don't think it... I don't think the product on the field and the court, honestly, have really suffered. I think it's – I mean, the athletes are, have never been better and the coaching has never been better. So it, it's this weird thing where you've got a lot, a, a tidal wave of really good stuff and this wave crashing against it of some chaos uh, that you're worried, how's that going to affect the product? It hasn't affected it enough to take away any of the popularity of the sports that we love. Mm. 
Mike Morgan joining us here on Sports Talk. And Mike, trying to get us back on the rails here after that uh, fantastic toilet conversation <laughs> there. But switching gears to football a little bit, and you being in Atlanta, I think you might be able to speak on this a bit. It might not be the local team for most of our fans here, myself included, to go Panthers. But with the Falcons, huh. reports coming out this afternoon that the Falcons will be do, uh, performing a second interview with now former Patriots coach, that's weird to say, Bill Belichick, this coming weekend. My question for you is, what would happen if the Falcons blow a two-interview lead on hiring Bill Belichick after what happened in the Super Bowl a few years ago? Mm. Uh, I see what you did there. 28-3, 2 nothing. I got you. Uh, look, I, I, I don't know. If, if the Falcons are able to pull him in, it's it's totally an Arthur Blank versus the field win. Like it's not because Bill Belichick wants to be in Atlanta, and it's not because Bill Belichick looks at Desmond Ritter and says, "Yep, yeah, that's a franchise quarterback." Uh, it would be a very bizarre hire in a bizarre situation where they still don't have, in my eyes, a, a, a true starting NFL quarterback that can take you to the promised land. And I, Bill Belichick doesn't seem to me like a guy who wants a a two three year rebuild. So. That tells me maybe the market is not that strong for a 71, 72-year-old head coach who hasn't done a whole lot in New England the last couple of years since a guy named Tom Brady left. Uh, I, if it happens, it won't shock me. If it doesn't happen, it won't shock me. Uh, living in Atlanta, I'd love to see it. It, it would. <laughs> I think a fan base that has been tortured through uh, three or four consecutive mediocre coaches is ready for something different and established. But uh, I, I, I have a feeling Bill is waiting to see what else is out there, too. Mm. One more question for you, Mike. Switching gears again now to college basketball. Sticking here with the South Carolina men's Gamecock program, currently 14-3 and overall, 2-2 two and two in the SEC. They have right at 14 games left, all SEC games. Trying to think what the magic number might be. If they were to go 7-7, seven and seven, so finish 500 then in the conference at 9-9, nine and nine, and they would be 21-10 and 10 on the season, would that be enough to get it done, or what in your mind would be a magic number for wins for the Gamecocks to get into into the tournament? Well, look, I, if, if you went 500 in the league and then you did a little damage in Nashville, then I feel pretty good about it. But the, the, here's where you get into trouble when you start saying magic number. Not all nine and nine conference records are the same. Mm-hmm. You know, Got this it. is what a couple of a couple of Frank's teams. And they would point at how many wins. Yeah, but if you lose to a bad Georgia team three times, that's why you're not getting in the NCAA tournament. So you can't play the shell game of, look at how many wins we got. Just look at our good ones and ignore our bad ones. Um, at Georgia at home, I want to tell you right now, that's not that bad a loss. Like That's not like losing to Stetson. But it does set up a, a scenario where you really don't want to lose at home again. And you'd love to steal one on the road, much like you already did in Como. So I, I, I think that five hundred around five hundred is going to be good enough for most teams. But again, the devil's going to be in the detail. Who, who did you spring any quad one uh, victories in in league play? We know they stand a, had at least one or two non-con. You know, did you beat a Kentucky, a Tennessee, and Auburn and Alabama? Those quote unquote elite teams in the league. Or did you just feast on the bottom third? All these things go get, get baked into the uh, equation, and that's why I say that there's no such thing as a magic number. It really, the magic number is the net, and just keep your eye on that, <clears throat> and keep your eye on you know where they stand uh, in, in that 
and that number, because even though it's not the final say, it is clearly their most important number as a guide as to which teams get in and which, which teams do not. And I would be more than leaning toward the fact that Carolina is going to be one of a few bubble teams in this league come March. Yeah, they're sitting at 69. They've got one Q1 win and two Q1 losses. And they're going to play number 107 this weekend in Arkansas. But it is a road a road game, so if you can win it on the road, um, you know, it won't be a Q1 win for you, but it'll be certainly, certainly better than a loss. But here's something that's kind of interesting. You talk about, you know, Florida, which is 52 in the net. They are 0-5 in Q1 games thus far. 0-5. Yet, you know, yeah. they're still 52, which, which isn't which isn't awful. Um for that matter, as I look down the list here, there is not a single SEC team. Let me double-check here before I say something. Yeah, there's not a single SEC team, Mike, right now that has a winning record in Q1 games. you got a couple who are 500. There's a 4-4, four and four, there's a 2-2, two and two, but there's a 1-1. One and one. Nobody has a winning record. Now, I know these numbers will change as teams move up and down, and that, those numbers will change. But that's kind of interesting that there's not a single – SEC team with a winning record. You can use this in your broadcast. You don't have to credit me. I'm okay with it. Um, okay, you can, sure. Yeah, you don't, just drop, I steal your material all the time. You well, know just, this. Just drop it in when you're talking to John Sunvelt about uh, running the triple weave. Out. Or who's your... who's your, <laughs> John Sunvold, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> or the next time you're doing a broadcast with Dominique Wilkins, too, just just slide that right in there. Yeah. <laughs> just drop it right in. They'll be, right in with me. They'll, they'll be impressed with your, with your homework. So... Uh, they where, will. That's where, that's a heck of a nugget. Where are you this weekend? Uh, I will be in Lexington. I will be at Rupp Arena. That's right. One of those teams that I think when it's all said and done will have the most quad one wins in this league is Kentucky. Uh, I've seen every team, like I said, except Bandy. Uh, Kentucky and Tennessee, uh, to me, are the, the two most difficult matchups, and Auburn and Alabama are not far behind. But uh, Kentucky-Georgia, I think, will be a, a really entertaining game. We'll have that for you at 6 o'clock on the SEC Network. John Sunvold, John who once Sun competed against Vold. that right, competed <laughs> against Larry Bird in a three-point contest. True story. Yeah. Uh, I'm that, sure he uh, lost. The, I'm sure he lost. Uh, everybody lost when Larry was in it. In fact, Larry, he tells the story how Larry went into the locker room and looked at Sunvold and the other five or six contestants, and he just kind of took a deep exhale, and he said, all right, fellas, who's finishing second? And of course, <laughs> Was that first. the time he said that? I mean, that's a very famous little line yes. there. Oh, Sunvold was involved with that, huh? Sunvold was in that three-point contest and had Larry talking trash in the locker room to him and everybody else. Yes, he witnessed Larry Legend uh, in the flesh. I, I have said it before. I'll say it again since you're listening. I've said this on the record. Larry Bird the most handsome athlete ever created. I'm serious. I mean, he just... Clearly was an Adonis, yes. I mean, it's a different look. It's a different look. It depends on how you appreciate a man's look. But in my eyes, the most beautiful man ever created. Well, you know, I think you should pass that along and maybe write him a letter. No, I do have an autographed uh, picture of Larry Bird. Do you really? Well, he gave it to somebody else to give to me, so it wasn't directly given to me. But, yes, I oh. do have a autographed Larry Bird picture. Well, I'm jealous. Yeah. Uh, as a Larry Legend fan, I have a lot of paraphernalia. I do not have that. Well, I'll make you a, uh, a copy and send it to you. That'd be great. Yeah. Thank you. All Thank right. You for that. 
safe travels, and we'll talk to you next week. Okay, guys, have a great weekend. That's Mike Yawns at the end of the interview. Was that a yawn or a deep breath, an exhale? He's gone. He's a quick dropper. He's a quick dropper of the line. You know those people that drop the line real quick? Yeah. That's him.